Hey people, welcome again to Steve-O's Music News. I am your host, Steve Orchard. This is our third episode, and we're doing it on a Sunday, October 18th. And as I've been telling you, we are now on several platforms, including, in fact, my daughter tells me, Sarah says we're now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even a few here that I've never even heard of before, but if you use them, you'll be familiar with them, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. And as always, thanks for sharing part of your busy day with me. And also thanks again for all the support you've shown. It is humbling and it's been so gratifying. So we're having some fun with it. And right off the bat, I want to welcome in another special guest to my podcast, a guy who has run his own website. It's called Boomerosity.com. Let me repeat that for you, Boomerosity.com. And uh, he'll tell you more about that in a moment. He has interviewed over 250 artists and entertainers to this point. And if I'm not mistaken, he is residing in the beautiful Smoky Mountains. Please welcome my friend Randy Patterson. Randy, just tell me, I did say that right, right? Boomerosity.com, and, and you are in the Smoky Mountains, right? That's correct. Both are correct. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Steve. <laughs> well, first of all, you and I, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and uh, we've done a couple of interviews. We started out, um, you had always wanted to interview one of the founding members of America, Dan Peake. And mm -hmm. we took care of that. So we had that. I also helped you a little bit with some info for probably one of the greatest interviews you ever did with Beach Boy Brian Wilson. I'm saying that yeah. I'm saying it kind of sarcastically. Nothing against Brian, but you you can talk a little bit about that. Tell me first of all. I want to bring. I, the reason I mentioned Boomerosity, I want to bring it up because I think it's an alternate site. It's great music news info. Tell my listeners and tell my uh, supporters here what is Boomerosity? How long has it been around? And and we'll go from there. Well, Boomerosity was founded, quite honestly, after uh, after I'd worked on a class reunion. Um, I graduated in 1977 out in Phoenix, Arizona, and how I promoted the reunion was using a lot of nostalgia, especially music. And everybody was complimenting me on the work and said I really needed to do something with that. And um, I, so I, I thought, well, we'll start with a website and I was doing some other kind of writing, some reflective type of writing. I thought I would do add to that some, uh, the occasional interview. But, uh, at the end of my first year, I wound up, um, with, uh, wound up my first 12 months with, uh, 25 interviews, 52 reflective articles. And I, I don't know how many reviews of CDs and books and, and things of that nature. So I, it just kind of went from there. I'm in the midst of my 12th year. I'll be wrapping up my 12th year uh, in April of next year. Okay. And, and you also have, you have the website, but you're also linked to Facebook. Uh, I know you have, you have your own Facebook page. Is there a, if people want to check it out because you also have uh kind of a news you you're doing a couple of things it seems right a kind of a news flash with boomerosity yes what it is it's a it's a new feature on boomerosity and i suspect it'll eventually peel off onto its own website but it's called boomerosity buzz and what it is it's kind of a what well, it is a news aggregator of entertainment news that i think that our readership 
would enjoy, you know, news about artists, um, icons from back of our youth, whether they're actors, actresses, you know, people like that. And uh, we keep trying to keep them apprised of whatever's going on in their lives, mostly music, but like I said, other media as well. And then I put some industry news in there so that the artists that I've interviewed could also enjoy coming to it and seeing what's going on in the music business that they may not otherwise hear about. And the good thing is you've been interviewing artists that usually are near and dear to, to your heart, my heart. Your most recent interview, you did like a Zoom interview with uh, 70s hitmakers Pablo Cruz. How did that work out as far as the Zoom interview went? Oh, it was well, first of all, it was... <laughs> it was just a blast. The uh, Corey, the, you know, one of the two remaining founding members, he he was just, he had me laughing all through it. But um, with the technology today, it just makes it easier for artists to get through to fans through interviews such as the ones I conduct. And for me, it's you know, people think I'm a journalist or whatever, but I'm just a fan like everybody else, and I consider my interviews, whether they're written as they have been up until this year or audio or you know and or video just long autographs that i get to show uh, you know other fans that i've been able to collect so it's just you know i happen to be lucky enough to be able to get access to these people and just try to you know approach them as a fan and uh, they're more than 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 gracious to give that kind of time to their fans so they can let their fans know what's going on in their careers. Yeah, in fact, Pablo Cruz, uh, most people remember the two biggies, what you're going to do, and uh, love will find a way. Uh, also, let me ask you about some of the other people that you've, you've interviewed a lot of people. Again, we're with Randy Patterson right now. It's boomerosity.com. Check it out. Check the link out. And check them out on Facebook as well. I know you interviewed one of my favorite bands, uh, Verdine White out of Earth, Wind & Fire, and uh, tell me a few of the other names and, and some of the interviews that have worked out well for you. Well, um, you know, you mentioned one that you helped me put uh, get together with, Dan Peek, and it turned out, um, sadly, I wish it wasn't the case, um, but it was Dan Peek's last interview, Dan Peek of America. Um, that was That's probably one of the most popular interviews on my website. I've interviewed Brian Wilson um from the beach boys that would that clocks in at my shortest interview ever at two minutes and 20 seconds and that's just it wasn't because it went badly or anything it's just how brian is um i've interviewed some of the people that uh, were on stage with elvis and uh, supporting him uh the rolling stones uh just all sorts of people and people a little bit less high profile like um one feature that's on boomerosity now is a, a, a monthly photography um feature by the iconic rock and roll photographer bob grun who just happened to be on 2020 this last friday night and they he got quite a bit of screen time on that uh feature uh, but we're featuring a photo of his each month and he does a little video uh just for boomerosity um, about the feature or the photo that we're featuring, you know, per month. We started off last month with Elvis because it being the um, uh, the anniversary, actually two months ago with the anniversary of his death, and then then there was Queen, and now this month John Lennon. But um, some of the others, uh, Billy Givens from ZZ Top, um, Ace Freely, um, Tommy James. 
I've uh, Marty Stewart. I know you're uh, you're on one of the country stations up there in Michigan, so get some country artists as well. I'm going to be rolling out in the next week or so uh, my video interview with Jeannie Seeley. So as you can see, it's kind of all over the map. Kind of, the way I approach it, Steve, is it's kind of like how radio was when I was growing up. I don't know how it was where you grew up, but in Phoenix, Arizona, where I grew up, radio was a mix of genres. So you might hear Donna, Donna Fargo on one song and then the Osmond brothers, the next, and then deep purple, the next, and then the Rolling Stones and then the Beatles. And then, you know, Charlie Ridge. I mean, it was just all over the map. And that's kind of how I approach Boomerosity is those genres that were such huge influences on our childhoods as baby boomers. Well, and we also have another link actually, because both you and I were introduced together from Rob Parisi, who was the uh, founder of wild cherry. Everybody remembers mm -hmm. the big massive hit, play that funky music. So Rob put you and I in touch together. So we'll probably need to give him a little bit of a shout out and a thanks for coming together there. In the meantime, though, you've, uh, again, this is more or less like a labor of love too, because you have other things going on in your life, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a day job that pays the bills and, and helps float this, uh, endeavor, but we are uh, getting closer to monetizing the site as, as web people like to call it, uh, opening it up to, you know, advertisers or underwriters. And, um, but you know, you got to prove yourself first. You got to show that you've got the, the, um, stick to and the consistency and, like I said, I've been doing things for the most part every month for almost uh, 12 complete years now. And uh, one other thing I'll throw out to you, Steve, is what I get asked every once in a while, what the heck is a boomerosity? And when I was launching the site, I needed a name for it, of course. And uh, I launched it while I was in Dallas, Texas. And um, everything that had the word boomer in it um, was used up because right across the Red River was um, Oklahoma University or University of Oklahoma. And their team was the Oklahoma Sooners and their theme song was Boomer Sooner. So as you can imagine, anything to do with Boomer was already taken up either by them or other baby boomer sites. So uh, I come across a, a travel um, advertisement that had the word Ossity in it. And uh, I wondered what the heck was an osity, so I looked it up, and it means the essence of. So boomerosity is the essence of being a baby boomer, and, it, and that's what the word means. Okay, and one more time now, uh, give us that contact info. I mean, we know when it's boomerosity.com. Are there any other platforms, or we need to make uh, mention it's also on Facebook, too. They they need to remember how to spell that, like B-O-O-M-E-R-C-I-T. O-C-I-T-Y. You can think of it as Boomer O-City. That's what some people will pronounce it. Um, but you got to have that middle zero in there, or O, not zero, but O, um, or you won't find it. It's Boomerosity. Boomer, B-O-O-M-E-R-O-C-I-T-Y.com. And there you go. Randy Patterson from the Smoky Mountains. Randy, my friend, we're going to have you back again at some point. So thanks so much for taking some time, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, check back in with you later then, okay? Thanks a million, Steve. I love your show. Keep up the great work. All right. Appreciate it. And there it is. Randy, Randy Patterson right there from boomerosity.com. And I hope to have Randy back on again at some point and uh, talking more music news. Now, something's coming out on Tuesday that I want to touch a little bit about right now. There's a new book on the way. It is called Do You Feel Like I Do? It is a memoir let me take you back a little bit here. Nearly 45 years ago, Peter Frampton released his first concert record, Frampton Comes Alive. That album 
made the struggling solo artist, who was a former member of a group called Humble Pie, a rock household name and pinup. Uh, its multi-platinum success also reverberated throughout the industry. It inspired a slew of double live albums by other acts who hadn't quite broken through to that point. It would feature three top 20 singles, ultimately sell better than 10 million copies here in the U.S., but you know what? You get the high ups and you get the low downs too. And as he writes in this biography, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of the, uh, the ups and downs here. He was quickly overexposed says he was rushed into a follow-up album for which he wasn't prepared and cast in the best-forgotten movie version of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And, of course, as you can imagine, he succumbed to drug and alcohol abuse, and by the early 80s, Frampton was struggling to revive his career. So the book talks about some of his friendships. He had people like David Bowie that he was friends with. He collaborated with Harry Nielsen, Stevie Wonder... B.B. King, he reveals both the blessing and the curse of Frampton Comes Alive and becoming the cover boy that he never wanted to be. Now, it was back in May that he did an interview with Mojo Magazine, and he took the time to name and number his post-live album mistakes, saying, quote, As much as I loved Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss and A&M Records, and that was the best label to be on, the nicest people, and they stuck with their artists. But after Frampton Comes Alive hit, everyone had their own agenda. AM's new publishing building, they called it the Frampton Building. And, and they said that to his face, and he was dismayed. But it had, uh, it had taken him six years to come up with the material that was on Frampton Comes Alive. Now... They wanted another album in six months. He says, in hindsight, I could have waited two, three, even four years because you're only as good as your last record. Frampton remembers knowing that I'm In You was nowhere near as strong as it needed to be to follow the biggest selling live album of all time. He says, quote, when I finished I'm In You, I came into the A&M offices. I threw the two tape boxes on the sofa and said, that's it. I don't like it, but there it is. I was not happy with it. That said, I'm in you still sold over 3 million copies, but if it had sold only one copy less than Frampton Comes Alive, it would have still been a failure. There was nowhere to go but down. Well, there are other things that are covered in the book. In fact, a year after I'm in you came out, Frampton appeared in the ill-fated 1978 movie and soundtrack to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That project sank the record label, RSO, which had been on a major role in 1978. Uh, there's word that the Bee Gees career was destroyed, but not quite, not quite. I mean, while that was going on, they were in the process of getting ready to release their Spirits Having Flown album. That was a number one album that featured three more number one singles. However, as far as Sgt. Pepper's goes, none of the songs that Frampton sang on charted. The album... Uh, Sgt. Pepper's came out at number seven on the Billboard album chart. It would endure another six weeks at number five, but the album really tanked. They say that uh, four million copies were taken off the shelves and shipped back to distributors, earning the soundtrack with the dubious distinction of being the first record to return platinum. RSO destroyed, yes, destroyed hundreds of thousand more. 
and producer George Martin, who had done the original Sgt. Peppers, is said to have regretted his involvement in the end. Um, there were some good points on Sgt. Peppers. There were three hit singles to come out of it, and, and to this day and age, they are still looked at as like, hey, these were really good songs. Aerosmith's Come Together was one of them. Earth, Wind & Fire's uh, Got to Get You Into My Life. Even Robin Gibb was able to release a top 20 version of Oh Darlin'. But again, those and other stories covered Frampton's new book coming out on Tuesday, October 20th, Do You Feel Like I Do, and available on all of the usual outlets. All right, I got a couple of new album releases I want to mention right now. Bruce Springsteen is back on Friday, October 23rd. He's got an album called Letter to You. Wow, this is his 20th studio album. Here's a guy that just turned 71. It marks his first new studio album with his regular backing band, the E Street Band. Since 2014's High Hopes, Springsteen assembled the band at his home about a year ago. What they did was they were, they were going to record for five days but they ended up finishing in four, and everything was done live in the studio, no overdubs. As for touring, the band assumed that they were gonna go out in early 2021, but those plans were disrupted by the COVID pandemic. Now, by the time the album is released, Springsteen estimates that the earliest they could perform live would be in 2022. So, wow, it's, it's coming out, like I said, on October 23rd, they still have another year and however many months before they can even go out and play this album live. But uh, I did want to point that out. And he, again, he just turned 71. One country album worth mentioning, it's, it's not out till December. Russell Dickerson has something new out. It is called Southern Symphony. This is a guy that's had songs like Every Little Thing, uh, Yours, Blue Tacoma, Love You Like I Used To. He's a, he's a rising star in the country where he says, quote, Southern Symphony is hands down the best work I've created. It's the best songs I've written. It's sonically the best we've created. This album is 10 honest and true tracks that tell the story of how I've grown as an artist and as a man. Also, things are going good in his personal life. He became a dad when his son Remington Edward was born on September 10th. It's coming out again on December 4th. It will make for a great Christmas present for Russell's fans. I just have a couple of birthdays I want to mention. October 16th, John Mayer came, uh, not came out, John Mayer turned 47. I always liked his 20, uh, I'm sorry, his 2002 song called No Such Thing. It got to number 13. He may best be known uh, for a song called Say. It was a Grammy uh, winner in the pop male vocal category. It got to number 12 back in 2008. He's had 19 charting hits in all. John Mayer turned 47 on October 16th. And then uh, October 20th, rapper Snoop Dogg, 49. I actually liked, I'm not a big rap fan. I did like his song that came out. His first solo hit came out in 1993 called What's My Name. It got to number eight, actually in early 94. One of the reasons I liked it was because it sampled some Parliament. You know, the P-Funk crew, Parliament Funkadelic. But again, uh, so that was actually his first legit hit song. He had done a couple of songs as a guest vocalist with Dr. Dre, so the momentum had been building by that time. Snoop Dogg, rapper, he is 49 today. All right, so there you go. Episode three in the books. Try to jam-pack some episode uh, news for you there. Uh, my thanks again to Randy Patterson of Boomerosity.com. Um, my daughter, Sarah, doing the technical work here again, and Sarah telling me 
that we're also on Apple Podcasts now. Uh, whatever other platform you use, here are some other links for you. Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. We'll check in again soon. I will catch you next time on Steve-O's Music News.